We shall go on to the end. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in you. Alrighty. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 57 of The Art of Surrender. And I'm joined again by Jamil. How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. How's that sound? I hope the sound quality is pretty good. We had some trouble. I bought these $15 headphones from Kmart, and they ended up being pretty um, worthless for this uh, meeting. So I took them off. So now I'm going straight out of the phone in the office right now. So hopefully the, the sound works out pretty good. But I, I'm pretty good right now. Yeah, that's that's good, mate. I don't know if you, I don't know why you thought you were going to get a decent set of headphones for fifteen dollars. You might want to reconsider the money you're investing in these things. <laughs> but you're all set. Hey. Yeah, I'm all set. I've got a bit tingly throat. It's like COVID. Before you lurk is out there saying it's definitely COVID. It's just a tingly throat from um. What's I've been drinking a lot of like rebels and coffees today, so my friends been like, ah. so if you if you hear an accent on me today, it's because I've. Um, got a little frog in my throat, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, but I'm pretty good. What's happening, Brad? (laughs) That's all right, mate. Uh, Not a lot, man, to be honest. I've just been, this is actually my first, I think the first episode in a couple of months, maybe. I've been sort of down and out, um, did my ACL. I think you know that, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so just, I think I'm six six or seven weeks post-surgery now, sort of last few days I've been walking without crutches a little bit. So things are starting to look upwards. That's good. That's good. We all trying for the best for the listeners out there. For you that know that this podcast was um pretty kicking, pretty pumping. Brad's been out of ACLs. It's been a pretty busy season. We've had COVID. We've had war in Ukraine. We've had rising gas inflations. So um, while the podcast has been postponed, the world is still spinning. The world is still turning. So hopefully this podcast will entertain you guys and keep you going on your drive home today on your commute. Kabang. There we go. And probably the last, <laughs> the last time I had an episode out, the fuel price was probably half of what it is today. <laughs> and that's that's no bullshit too. People line up for 150 of fuel. The world's going crazy, you know what I'm saying? You know, people used to line up for 130 and they said, oh, that's too expensive. Now we're all lining up for 150 here in Perth right now. So... Well, it's going nuts, but, you know, we carry on, we move on, we still roll, we still train, we still slap hands, we do all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, but the gyms are open, restrictions are off, masks are off, no COVID vaccinations required entering to a gym here in Perth. So it's all pumping. People are finally emerging from the garages and all that whatnot. So it's pretty good. So we're, um, we're making progress, better progress than we were six months ago. So hell yeah to that. That's good to hear, man. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the sort of changes over there. But what's is everyone sort of straight back in the gym, or has it been a slow build because people are a bit hesitant? Like, what's your vibe? Uh, on that? It only just made the change this week. They all just made the change, so I think people are slowly getting back to their uh, normal gym because there were a few select group of people who were just training out their garages, training in the park for a bit. Um, the anti is out there for whatever reasons. Uh, but yeah, they're slowly making their way back to the gyms and uh, the gyms are finally getting their numbers back up. Um, so that's really, really cool to see, which is good. Yeah, man, that's good to hear. Hey, and I wanted to say before we get too far ahead, because we're already missing it, the point I wanted to get you on was to say congratulations on your black belt, mate. Thank you very much. Have a little bit of a chat. Lot, lots obviously happened. It seems like you've had a few things going on as well with like commentary for grappling super fights and stuff. So we'll get into that 
as the I guess as the episode goes on but talk to me a little bit about your black belt mate what was that like getting it or tra- uh, you know, like what was the experience like receiving it and even leading up to it the training and things oh yeah so I've been training for like a long time now you know since I, you know, I'm under Adam Metcalf at Emma and I do a lot of stuff here at Drillich Combat Academy and I think I was you know Adam um, he looks after all my training all my progress um, all my role. So me and Adam, we roll quite frequently. And we were just chatting in the gym one day. He just asked me, how long have you been a brown belt for? And I was like, oh, I've been a brown for like five years. And he was like, oh, okay, interesting. And I think maybe a few nights later, we met up again at training and he said, oh, next grading, I want you to be there. No, um, yeah, next grading, I want you to be there. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. But the, I thought he just wanted me to help out, you know, um, help out the other guys do the grading and whatnot, you know, and just be like an extra man for the Shark Tank roles. Sure. And I was like, yeah, but then I ended up um, working that weekend, so I didn't end up going. And then when I came back to training after the grading, he goes, oh, bro, wait, oh, you missed out on grading. Can you come to the next one? I was like, yeah, sure. And I clicked on the Facebook event, yeah, I'll go to the next one. And then he goes to me, oh, you ready for the black belt grading? I was like, oh, yeah, he's getting a black belt. He goes, oh, you? I was like, oh, freaking heck, you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah I've been training about five years. I've been sitting around progression for the last year. Uh, you know, being under me. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. And um, I, I told him that give me a few nights to think about it because I was thinking about competing at least one more SGT as a brown belt. Yeah. But um, the SGT just kept getting pushed back even more. And I knew they were going to probably get pushed back even more. So the next SGT tournament was only like five months away. And I spoke to um, one of my good friends, uh, Brandon Drillich, about it. You know, one of the other guys that are all frequently very high level brown belts here in Perth, Australia. He's the owner of uh, Drillich Public Academy. And he goes, bro, if I had a chance to go for my black belt, you know, in the next week or the second week, if my coach asked me, I'd go for it. Go for it straight away, man. Like, you know, you don't want to wait and miss the opportunity in case COVID happens again or restrictions happen again, again, or lockdowns happen again. I was like, okay, cool. I'll think about it. And yeah, I had a good chat with Brandon, you know, just chatting with him and a few others. And then I just gave Adam a message. I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. But funny enough, the week that was going to happen, his partner got COVID. So he had to be locked down, postponed for one more week. I was like, okay. And then he got COVID. And he got postponed again for another week. So it was coming to the point where the grades kept being postponed. So I was like, oh, I'll just go to it and I'll believe it when the day actually happens. Because when yeah. the, the first time, the first week I was going to get graded, Adam was like, yep. I know you've got a lot of friends in the just the community. You've got great networks for everyone. Is anyone you want to bite onto the grading and want to jump into the shark tank, do a few rounds with you or do a few drills with you doing the grading, invite them along. That's no problem. I invite whoever you want. But yeah, sweet. So I was invited this guy, inviting them. I invite the Drillish brothers, invited the whole Drillish team. But the grades kept getting postponed. So I was all right, guys, next week, come next week. They got postponed again. I was like, all right, guys, come next week. So I was like, stuff this. So I told don't worry about it, guys. We'll see it when it happens. So I ended up on the day when the grading did happen. And I ended up just invited my brother. And I got my brother to come along to yeah. share the grading day. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of other postponements because of COVID because Adam got it. His partner, Emma, got it. Yeah. But with it, yeah, I was like, was Lifetime of jujitsu, mate. Who, who cares, you know? You get it. Like, if it gets delayed a little bit, you're going to... You know, like it is what it is. You got it now. What was it? What was it like? Is it just a black, uh, just a um, a um, shark tank there at Ama, or do they? Is there any sort of requirement or anything you have to have in place? So, so basically, how it works, right? When it comes to gradings under the Ama system or mm-hmm. any affiliate, what they usually do is 
either like half hour of um, showing your knowledge techniques. So I don't know, guys, with your drill partner, I want you just to do back takes. I want you just to do sweeps. I want you to just um, do takedowns. And then we'll do after the techniques, Ricardo's done. Then we'll do, all right, guys, I want you to roll for X amount of minutes with this guy, swap, roll for X amount of minutes with this guy, swap. And yeah. I was like, do it. Yes, I'm tapping these guys out. This is easy, Grady. And then um, they sat us down. And I thought that was it. I was like, sweet, easy day. I'd be out of here by like 12 o'clock, have a few beers to go home. Whatever, you know. And then Adam goes, all right, guys. Then he called, and what usually happens, he'll, he's got a list that he calls each person's getting graded out one by one to a certain spot on the map. Oh, you go there, you go there, you go there. Does this does go, this oh, go God. for, sorry, mate, to interrupt, does this go for all belts or is, or is this for black belts here? Oh, just all belts. All belts were getting graded. But okay, yeah. Guys were getting graded. Yeah. They'll be I just get hammered even harder. So everyone gets their own spot on the mat in the gym. But for this, for the, for the Shark Tank, and for you guys that don't know what Shark Tank means, basically there's a guy who's selected to be getting rolled and, be, and he'll just have multiple partners and opponents coming after him doing a roll. So basically with this particular Shark Tank, if I'm in the middle, 20 seconds a guy comes in, starts rolling me, he's passing the guy for 20 seconds. Then another 20 seconds, another guy comes in. Another 20 seconds, another guy comes in. Another 20 seconds, he tags out, another guy comes in. And Adam's like, all right, guys, I want you guys to um, uh, push it push and punish these guys. So I think for about maybe 15 or 20 minutes straight, it was just me, the other people getting graded to new belts and two other guys who were getting graded to black belt, which is getting hammered every 20 seconds, new guy, every 20 seconds, another new guy. So like the first rolls, I thought it was easy, but this one, this one tied me out. And like, you know, I was like, just ended up just curling into a ball because guys just kind of left and right. A guy would get off me, then another guy would come take back control, seat belt, full hooks in. Another, he'll come off, another guy will come straight to X guard Toriando, straight to side control. So it was just like bang, 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 bang. So just overwhelming. Then when I finally done, I was like, oh, thank God that's done. So yeah, it was a freaking beat down the last 15, 20 minutes, especially <laughs> that Tyrone King putting uh, four bollock body triangle on you and just smothering you with his legs for full body triangle. He's like six foot five. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was, like, it was like for sure, but well worth it in the end. So me, um, Dan Thurling, another Perth local legend who now runs our um, blood sport. I mean, our pure blood fight team, another good clothing brand out there. Uh, and also one of my good close friends, uh, Ollie, um, Ollie Hall, got his black belt as well. And he's only uh, 25. So okay. black belt 25. But he's been training since he was like 13, since he was a little lad. So, um, yeah, me, Ollie, he's like a phenom, uh, 25-year-old black belt, and Dan Thurley, a long time um, guy in the game. We are all three of us the great black belt. That's that awesome. Weekend. Congratulations to those guys as well. That's sick, man. I'm happy for you. Um, so five years as a brown belt. Jesus. That's a while, eh? Did you um, – Yeah. I mean, you, well, there was a switch of gyms and things and COVID and stuff. I'm sure all that played its factors um, as well. Hey, I wanted to know, obviously I've known you most of your time, right? I've known you since before, Amma. What, what's the sort of things that you've added to your game since you've been there? And I know probably the um, Drillich Combat Academy has been a big part of it too and the Gladiator Wrestling. That's kind of all, all that sort of stuff that came around, hey, during that time. Oh, man, like even today, like, I can probably said that like my rolling is – I'm pretty happy for my the way I roll. Like I'm rolling the best I've ever rolled, like ever. Like I'm really happy with what I can do. Of course, there's a few things I can still tweak up here and there, but um, mm. uh, just the fluidity, knowledge of moves. Because um, back in my old gym, 
you know, it was a different system, different style, you know, and they're great at what they do. But, you know, I really want to like, learn the sport aspect of jiu-jitsu and I really want to learn, you know, the more technical side of thing, you know, how to go to um, deal here for Baron Bola, how to, go, how to play X card, take the back, how to learn the leg lock systems, you know, saddle, uh, 50, 50, inverted, inverted, inverted and all that. So I really got to, like, pretty much mainly the last two years of relearning a whole style of jiu-jitsu and learning a whole new uh, move step repertoire. And now that's really definitely improved my game, especially mm. in no-gi, because it's a whole different aspect to um, the gi in general, because um, I like to be in this two different um, categories of sports in general, because um, uh, no-gi is such more of a, of a physical and faster pace and a bit more of a demand on the body, especially in no-gi. So I got to, uh, especially under Adam, um, I got to learn uh, you know, a real good fundamental um, sport jitsu of, of sweeps and like small man jitsu because Adam's very young. Like, uh, if anyone describes Adam jitsu in the Amma style, one word always comes to mind slick. So, very smooth, fluid transitions, you know. So, I got to learn a lot about that, especially how to use the collar for different kind of like chokes, like, um, especially the baseball choke, which is an Amma speci- specialty, Ezekiel chokes and all that kind of whatnot. And really? the Drillish okay. Brothers. CA, um, I could really improve my wrestling and the no gi stuff, especially leg locks. So, usually I go to AMA for all my gi stuff, and with DCA drillers, I usually go to them for all my no gi rounds of roll. It's a no gi only gym, so I get to uh, bounce the best of both worlds. Uh, yeah, I've learned stuff in the last two years and relearn a whole new system and get a um, better understanding of how to like change different um, guards and passes and learn new guards and understand how to use them. and just expose um, you expose you to new areas right yeah and it was uh, i think it's amazing you know and even like you know visiting other gyms other styles you know because um, there's no um you can say there's a right or wrong for jiu-jitsu but really all comes down to um the, the application of the person themselves and how well they can apply their moves and their move sets and i wanted to learn as much um different knowledge as i can and different approaches mm. and why that works why this works that school you know why does this leg lock work for this guy why does this triangle setup work for that guy so i wanted to learn all those different things and um so i can take it and i can you know make my business how to make this work for me instead of just learning one straight line system under one person yeah which has been really good I'm i, f- good I feel you mate yeah and i'm still good friends with the guys at the old gym sustainable we're still good terms uh, i thank james my post um even put these photos up in my little um, tribute reel Mm. Black belt to black belt. There's still a lot of things I learned from James as well, but um, as I want to take my own journey, take my own steps, and he respected that. So I wanted to learn different things and learn different approaches and uh, find my own way and forge my own path that would set right for me, for my body type, and for my goals for what I want to do with my training, my coaching, and um, the people I want to surround myself with. Yeah, there you go, man. It seems like it's all working out for you at the moment. Um, What's the? Are you still doing any wrestling at all, like strict wrestling, or is it just a no gi with the drillage guys? Basically, um, when it comes to like strict freestyle wrestling and Greco wrestling, I split it by season. So during the summer, uh, I go all in no gi, and usually around the winter time, so around probably next month, a uh, few months when June hits, that's when I usually go back to um, full time wrestling at Gladiators. And so me, I had to split it. I can't do too many things at once because. If I go out my drill and, and gladiator, I'm, I'm splitting too many things. Some people can do multiple things at once, but I can't. So I have to set focus on um, 
one goal for one season and then finish that goal to the next goal for the next season. Yeah. Especially when it's two different so when, uh, when you talk time. season here, is this kind of, are we looking at the competition scene? So the wrestling season compared to grappling or are you? Uh, not just competition scene. I mean, more like, you know, as in like six months, I'm just going to focus purely on BJJ. Yeah. And yeah. That's just on wrestling. Because that way I can focus and get my mindset and have the rule set and the means of how wrestling works. And then the next six months, I can focus my mindset and the rule set of how Chitsu works. Because BJJ wrestling is a lot different to Olympic freestyle wrestling. It's a whole different style, different stance, sure. different points. So um, I like to keep my mind focused on one thing than having it in two places. But that's, that's just how, how our work works for me a lot more better. Yeah, no, that makes sense as well. I'm a, I can be a little bit like that too. If you spread your th- if you spread yourself too thin or too wide across different disciplines, it can be hard to become like an expert in anything. And if you want to like just get straight improvement, you want to put more time into your wrestling for three or four months. You're obviously going to get those gains during that time if it's like more, you know, consistent in the one art. Um, I was going to ask, what's the uh, um, grappling super fights made I saw the uh, I was following that closely because obviously you know I've had Brenton and Daz on the podcast both of them um, and so I, and I knew they were matched up against each other and that's one that I think in the Perth scene has been coming for ages so I've been kind of like looking forward to seeing how that went but obviously you know yourself in it as well doing all the commentary screaming as, as it all happens <laughs> um, yeah, what- I- Release the replay, the free air replay. Probably will usually does, but um, that day, that day, that was really exciting. We got because we had a white belt tournament uh, first up for the day, and every single match in that white belt tournament were all majority of them were all submission finishes, and majority of them all within the first minute or two minutes. So we were seeing straight ankle locks, we were seeing triangles, we were seeing arm bars, we were seeing it all. So it was really cool to see these white belts. Um, come out there and they all went straight to the finish um, straight away. So really, really exciting matches. If you were to say that these were uh, blue belts or pro belts, you'd believe it if you didn't say they were white belts. But all these guys competed really, really good. So a really good tournament. The eventual winner was uh, my guy, a good friend of mine, uh, Milan. Milan for PMC. He's a really good dude. Uh, surely he'll get his blue belt soon. Got one of the most epic um, triangle armbar finishes that we've seen against a really tough point, um, and Caleb from uh, Grappling Techniques. So everyone on that that day, they all came to show up, they came to perform, and like I said, submission finishes um, within like, the first minute in the majority of the matches, so it was really entertaining to see that. Mm. And then we had um, another match with uh, Caleb and uh, Robert Barker. Um, so that was an interesting matchup because Caleb was like, uh, maybe six foot three, six foot four, really tall guy, athletic guy against Rob, who's a pro belt, uh, while Kale's a blue belt. So we had a guy who's been training for like 10 years more experience, but this guy is built like a nugget, maybe mm. a bit shorter, five foot seven, chunkier dude. So it really was a youth versus experience slash um, height versus like, you know, big chunky strength. So that was really, really good to see. And um, Kale did a really good match. He managed to um, just control... Um, Robert, by use of his legs, he was getting, he got at least two really good crucifixes, two awesome crucifix setups. He was using that really good. He was almost got a Kimura, Robert, with um, his crucifix setup. And he was controlling him by um, getting Robert to turn up and he did this really awesome move called, uh, it's called the Miracle. It's hard to explain, but it's, uh, it's basically like a back tank slash uh, leg lock attack from the turn from the turn of position they call the miracle and they'll do it on the replay and it was one of the most epic finishes you ever see he did the miracle he took the back from there really awesome match to see 
And then we had the girls match. And this match went for 20 minutes over time. So these girls came like swinging. I'm talking, we had like cut lips here. One girl was throwing like leg kicks. She was from a Muay background because she was trying to get to engage. Um, the other girl, Rachel, who eventually did win that match, she was just hitting like uh, Uchimada after Uchimada. The other girl, Mel, she would come in engaged, trying to engage in the car ties. The rest, she'll, she'll play the game plan, knew that Mel wanted to engage and she needed to advantage, just hit like at least three or four consecutive judo throws. Um, and eventually went to overtime because not, none of them were, were really getting any good submission attempts. So went to overtime with EBI rules. So one person will take the, uh, the armbar position, whoever escapes the armbar or finishes the armbar first is the eventual winner. Rachel gets her armbar in four seconds. Four seconds, she gets the armbar, Mel over, she gets the armbar position. She gets the armbar, but she only gets it in five seconds. Yeah, sorry. Mel got the armbar in five seconds. Rachel got the armbar in four seconds. So it ended up being round down to a wire by one second um, difference. So Rachel won that match in overtime because she got her armbar in right. four seconds. It was all of that. But definitely match of the day because it was just gritty. These girls were like going at it, they were grinding, they were going for the takedowns, going for submissions, awesome passing. That was really good to see. And in the final, don't get me started with the final, but this is one of the most epic finals I've seen. <laughs> the guys, at least 50 years old, still going at it, still jacked as shred like an ox, long time competitor. Everyone knows he's a dangerous guy. He's gotten very good at leg locks lately against Brentford, long time SGT, state winner champion, known for the gi. He's got killer Baron Bowers. Um, to be honest, you know, Dallas is looking to be the upper hand because he's had the most scrappling super fights and he just came off a win with um, Perth Lynch and Chris Mazzali. So Brenton was the underdog here. They come in, it's a gi match. Um, Dallas gets the, the sweet um, drop takedown with the drop ankle pick they did. We just swung, swung into it. He's on top. But Brenton managed to just, um, just play a really good guard. He was playing a good deep half guard game. He hit the most cleanest. Baron Bolo from the top we've ever seen from um, half guard. It's a Baron Bolo, takes Daryl's back. Das is doing a very good job at holding his collar, hiding his collar. Um, Brenton kept switching to different kind of back controls. He got this really good hip lock um, back control that kept Daz down, got the collar, and eventually Das tried to turn out. Brenton turns with him, and he turns it into one of the most epic bow and arrow finishes you've ever seen. The crowd went nuts because Brenton was, um, you know, he was the underdog. He, even though he was a black belt and Daz the brown belt, more people had Daz in favour for winning this match. But, you know, Brenton just took control of that Baron Bolo, did not let go of the back take, played to his game plan, played to his strengths and got the bow and arrow finish because when we were Brenton rocked up, I was like, Brenton, let's go on because I was still on my suits uh, for the commentary. I was like, Brenton, let's, let's warm up because I'm good friends, Brenton. Let's get you moving. And but I was like, oh, I don't want to warm up with people watching me and show my game. I said, I don't worry about them. Yes, a man. So he, we want the Baron Bollies. He's doing different kind of Baron Bollies. Baron Bollies is reverse Silahima. Baron Bollies is standing, working on his um, passing for the butterfly or the whatnot. And the match happens, he hits the Baron Bollies perfectly clean as you've ever seen. The replay was absolutely epic. You'll see it. So he came with a bad game plan of what his strengths were, which was the Baron Bowler. And Brenton is very good at Baron Bowlers. That's his main game plan. And then he hit it, hit the um, bow and arrow choke on that match. Absolutely beautiful. And I don't think I've had, even had a breath or stopped to pause in my talking right now because that's how excited I am. I know. Because that's how good I am. That's how good I am at selling these things, damn it. <laughs> mate i feel like i was there and i've seen the fight it, it is sick when i share the um podcast i'll i'll reshare that fight so everyone can see that final one but 
man, even you, t- even talking about the earlier fights, the, the, the girls fight, mate, that was, even that I felt like I was there the way you were talking about it. <laughs> the other girl, she was collar tying her like a meat type pummel clinch, just trying to get to engage, to get, to get the underhooks and overhooks with this girl. Cause she wanted, because our one girl was waiting that her game person wait, wait for mm. Mel to engage. My takedown, so use the judo. While Mel was like, no, I want to engage, I want to take you down. But Mel could get in takedown, so Rach ended up using her advancement to her progress, play the game, play it well, play it smart, land the takedowns. But of course, it was some early match, took it to deep waters, 20 minutes. Both girls are going at it. One girl's got her braids falling out, ripping out, another girl's got a cut lip and a bruised eye. So, like I said, it came down to the one minute, one second um, difference of the armbar. So, it's very close, but you know, sometimes when it comes to matches, people can be very even, but it comes down on what stars align and whose better day it is. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, a little bit of luck goes your way as well, you know. One second, that's that's like nothing. Yeah, so we'll see them again at the uh, maybe at the SGT tournament come the white belt SGT tournament in two weeks at Amar. So maybe they might rematch again for the fourth time because they've matched the four previous um, in-house tournaments. So this was their actual third match. Right. So maybe that'll be very, very interesting. <laughs> well, keep keep us up to date with it, mate. That sounds that sounds exciting. They'll be back in there again. Um, G- G- um, grappling super fights. Do you know what's next for them? Are they just going to keep pumping them out? How, like, how many epi- how many um, fight uh, fight cards have they had so far? I've had quite a few. This is the fourth grappling super fight man event they've had. They've had a few. Um, mini shows called uh, Kumite shows where it's just something like two exclusive matches but this is the fourth big um, bigger event they've done we've had a few matches um, when it comes to the future I know as much just as much as you guys okay I just come in here take, do the gig get paid get out of there so hopefully um, Vernon will mention me soon on what's up, what's up next a few things on my mind he wants to do another maybe another pro belt tournament he wants to do maybe a quintet style tournament you know five on five he's got the best team in perfect every way, so who knows? But they're very exciting. It's local. It's a great way for young up and coming athletes to come up, get some experience, get some matches, get some um, uh, matches rolling in front of a crowd, in front of a live audience. If they can do these things, then they will be able to help them step up to go to the more bigger shows here in Perth, like Battlegrounds, more bigger shows like the Uber East and all that whatnot. So it's a very good stepping ground to uh, really put yourself out there and get a good argument uh, going and shoot some grappling. Even just to compete, mate. What's what's? Yeah. Let, are you going to be competing on one of these cards anytime soon? Uh, not at the moment. Well, I'm currently injured right now. Um, I was going to go to do the SGT brand belt tournament again, but the SGT just kept getting postponed. So the next one, maybe I'll, I might jump in as a black belt. But through that time, it's also, it also becomes wrestling season. So I do. Well, for me, I personally like prefer prefer to compete in wrestling more freestyle wrestling. So we'll see. It depends on what, what I feel like I want to do. But I'm pretty happy right now. Uh, the season just have, have, helping out coaching, um, helping out humble, um, and just kind of finding cool with it, you know, taking a ride, you know. You know me, Brad, I smoke, I drink, I drive fast, I listen to my 80s music loud, I love to roll, and I play a bit of jiu-jitsu and wrestling. And I do love a good ankle big. Boom, that's how I live my life. So one left, one edge at a time, one matter at a time, one belt tie at a time. I'm still puffing my brain right now, and nothing's going to stop me now, baby. Boom. <laughs> Quarter inch of a mile at a time, eh? Quarter mile of a time. Yeah, what is it? Quarter mile at a time. They call me the Steve Warren on BJJ, baby. <laughs> yeah, take that any way you can. Mate, Not listen. 
what, what, what's you going right, mate? Cause I've got these, I got this new merch coming out sometime soon. I've been, since I've been down and out with my ACL and not doing podcasts, I figured I might as well make myself useful fucking at least a little bit. So I've got more merch coming. Have I shown you the design? No, no, I haven't actually. I'll give you a little look see, my friend. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you after, but you got to keep it quiet. But I w- I'm going to get you a set and um, I, w- I want you to promote it like you're promoting these fights, mate. Because if you're doing it anything like that, I'll be able to sell 50,000 units. <laughs> when it comes to promoting jiu-jitsu, especially a jiu-jitsu brand, um, there's so many brands popping out there, especially in Perth, left, right and centre. Um, when it comes to promoting, you know, I always tell people, if you've got to put something out there, especially when it's new, the key to the, to the gap is to get their attention within the first 10 seconds, make it relatable and to get their attention, especially the first 10 seconds. So if you're doing a jiu-jitsu brand and you want it to grow as a jiu-jitsu brand, make it specifically um, stylized to the kind of people that you want to sell to whereas, and the kind of people you want to sell to in jiu-jitsu. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, um, for instance, if I was doing a jiu-jitsu brand, I want to put posts out there, have guy model for it, one, make sure the guy's modeling it and promoting it has a good loyal and has a bit of a following. Because let's be honest, there's no point giving a brand or sponsoring someone, getting a discount code or giving them a free rash card to promote if they've got only like 300 followers. Not disrespect anyone, but when he, if we're here to do a business, we're going to make sure that this person is marketable. He's got a good reputation in the community. He can put the word out there. And also, if you're looking to put up photos and videos for jiu-jitsu, make it about jiu-jitsu. Um, you know, for instance, like, if I were to do a brand about jiu-jitsu and I'm giving it to guys in the karate scene or I'm giving the, the rash guard to people in the, uh, I don't know, uh, for different other sports, when people scroll through the Instagram and they see what's, what's called a jiu-jitsu brand, but it's being modelled on other sports, it kind of loses the attention of what, who you're trying to sell to. Yeah. So um, see a lot of um, brands make is that, you know, they don't make it specific. When you get big, then you expand your territory and put it out there to other sports and other disciplines. But when you're still small, still growing, get that loyal fan base of like, you know, 10, 20, 50 people, make it relatable, grab their attention for 10 seconds. And that's how you, you can build a brand to where it is for it is right now. I mean, like Humble's doing very well. We've, Humble's done very well. Humble's done very well. Hey, hey, mate, it looks like this Zoom call is like I've ran out of time or something. I need to upgrade. I think I had this on for quite a bit before you joined. So I don't know what's going on. But, mate, I'm going to have to let you go because it's going to cut out. It's Thanks thanks for coming back on. Um, appreciate your time. Congrats again on the black belt and, and like all that's happening. I'll send you the merch and shit soon, and um, I'll, t- I'll talk to you later on. Thanks, Good brother. Man. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.